<laughs> oh, I love it. Choose better. Man, welcome to Real Life once again. My name is Sean. Man, excited you guys are in the house. And uh, I don't know about you, you guys have any awkward kind of like dropping the L word a little early stories in your life? Anybody got one of those? No? Just premature, just awkward timing, shouldn't have said it? Just me, huh? Well, I've got one of those stories. So, man, so uh, I started, first started hanging out with Diane, um, and this is when she got back from college in 2003. And notice I said hanging out, because uh, we weren't dating, you know what I'm saying? Come on, somebody. And she was actually dating somebody else, so this makes it even better. Uh, we're at youth camp, and who knows, that's where lo- love really happens at youth camp, you know, it lasts forever. And so we're heading back from uh, John Brown. We're going to canoeing on the Elk River, and uh, we're on the bus, and she, this is the most romantic setting ever. And she looks at me and she goes, hey, you want to be my canoeing partner? I'm like, yeah. I love you, baby. And she looks at me like, what'd you say? I was like, words, come back, no. You know what I'm talking about? And then she goes, did you say you love me? I'm like, uh, uh. That's like a trick question, right? If you say no, you say yeah. You're just like, uh, I'm a guy. My frontal lobe isn't attached to the rest of my brain yet. Man, awkward timing, right? You guys been there? No, just me, man, wow. All right, well, nobody's done that. Well, I hope this message gets better this morning. <laughs> Man, I got a serious question for you. How many guys, how many guys like spaghetti? Anybody like spaghetti in the house? There's a few people. Okay, we're preaching to somebody now. We're getting a little better, right? Anybody like spaghetti? Well, I grew up, and my mom, she uh, would buy this sauce called Gaetano sauce. Anybody heard of Gaetano sauce? Exactly. I hated my mom's spaghetti. And uh, so growing up, she bought this sauce. It's, you can find it, I don't know, it's Costantino's, whoever owns Price Shopper nowadays. You can find the very top shelf. There's like one of them, you gotta dust it off. And she'd buy it and she'd put it in there and man, it was terrible. And I love my mom and uh, she knows this. We've been having this conversation for 25 years now. And uh, my boy, I love this. Uh, he was over a few months ago and she cooked up some spaghetti for Jack. He's like two, two and a half, you know. And, uh, and so she feeds it to him and he, he's looking at her like, I'm not, I'm not touching this. He did not even eat it. I said, you go boy, I'm so proud as your dad, the proudest moment ever had in my life. And my mom calls me up. She goes, your boy won't even eat the spaghetti. I was like, I know, it's terrible. I too to eat your spaghetti. So anyway, I'm, I got married, Diane. Um, she's getting ready to cook some dinner. And she goes, man, I'm cooking spaghetti. And I'm like, no. <laughs> like, I hate spaghetti. She goes, who hates spaghetti? Is like, right here. She's like, it's like hating a hamburger. You're like, how do you hate the staple meal of spaghetti? I said, well, my mom used to buy this guy a ton of sauce. She goes, I've never heard of that. I said, exactly. It's terrible. It's terrible. And so anyway, she cooks it up and she's like, you gotta give it a try. She's putting all these spices in. And you know, my wife, she can just make something out of nothing. I don't know about you, but she can make some sauce. She can get after it, cook a meal. And so anyway, she puts the spaghetti down in front of me. I'm telling you, it was incredibly good. It was indescribably better than the spaghetti my mom had. Amen. Come on, somebody. You've had my wife's cooking. She makes some good chili as well. But I'm just going to tell you something. When you have the good sauce, you don't go back to Gaetano's. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not going to enjoy spaghetti if you don't leave Gaetano's behind. This morning, I want to know if you want to have a little better this year. You guys looking forward to having better th- this year than last year? Anybody like that? A little better week than last week? No Gus Nato, which that term was just made up. I'm just kidding. The Gus Nato. It's a real thing. Like, for real, I told my boy, I said, check out the rain. It's pretty cool. Look out the window. And he's looking out the front of my house. He goes, Daddy, what happened to my pool? My pool? Where's my pool? Oh, and it's flying down the street. <laughs> I was like, what pool? Oh, no. So I had to go chase down the pool so my boy would stop crying out the window. But the guest note is a real thing. But man, better year this year. Maybe you say I have a better finances this, this year. Maybe better relationships, better, better care for better, better, 
better health, right? <laughs> be in better shape, because round's like a shape, but it's not the shape you maybe want, but man, get in better shape this year. And we gotta be careful, because all the stuff we want better in life is the things we're trying to make, they're good stuff, right? Like it's just, I want better health, better family, better stuff. Those are good things. But today we're gonna talk about having the best thing. And so we're gonna have this theme throughout this, uh, this series called letting go of the good and grabbing hold of what is better, because God has something indescribably better for your life than you can think or imagine. So this whole series built on this term better. So we're gonna look at verses that have the word better in it. Uh, go figure, right? And there's a lot of awesome better verses, all right, that are in the Bible. And then we're gonna memorize one of these verses every single week. So you guys better get ready to memorize something. You guys ready to memorize something this morning? You're like, dude, this is not the 1045. <laughs> like, we're not ready to memorize something. You guys are gonna get it this morning. It's gonna be awesome. So we're gonna dive in. Uh, next week, I wanna share a little bit about the verse next week. I believe it's gonna be really powerful for your life. But the verse is this, is better is one handful of tranquility than two handfuls of toil. Come on, somebody. If you're stressed out, maybe you're overcommitted to the things of life, you feel like you've got too much going on, you can't make it through a day, you're not focused on the most important stuff, the relationships are not that intimate, you're not spending time with your family, man, next week we're going to talk about better is one handful of tranquility. I don't know about you, that sounds good to me, I need one handful, not two, and so we're going to look at that next week. This week we're going to look at the context of the memory verse and then jump in to our memory verse this morning. It's found in Psalms 84. Check out verse one, two, it says this, how lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty. And I love the language here. It says, my soul yearns. Man, my soul even faints for your courts. I mean, you might even ask me, what in the world are the courts of God that somebody's gonna faint over going to the courts of God? And so in the Old Testament, God's presence resided in a temple, in the, inner, the innermost part of a temple. And the closest place to God's presence was his courts. And so if you're in the Old Testament, you're like, man, I'm gonna be close to God's presence, I'm gonna go to his courts. And the Bible says that my soul yearns, my soul faints, it says my heart and my flesh cart out to be in God's presence. With that said, we're gonna jump in today's memory verse and it's found in Psalms 84, verse 10. And it says this, it says, better is one day in your courts. Man, better is one day in your presence than a thousand else. Well, you guys know the song. I know the band wanna start playing it earlier. We're gonna throw back, you know what I'm saying? We're gonna make it up. Just come on the band. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Worship team up, right? Man, better is one day in your courts. One day is in your presence than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. I'd rather be the guy that sweeps the floor for Jesus. I'd rather be the guy that holds the door open, the lowliest servant in the house of God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. You guys ready to do this together? You know, some of you guys are gonna get, you better get on this bus. We're gonna go there right now. All right, let's say it together. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God, we're getting there, than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Come on, let's do it again. Better is one day in your elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. You guys ready? No? We're getting there. You want to do it out without the verse on the screen? <laughs> you guys got some work to do this week. All right? We're going to challenge you to memorize this verse. We're going to talk about it all day today. But better is one day in his presence. You know, growing up, I didn't really believe better is one day in his presence. You know, I'm like, why would you spend one day in his presence? So, I mean, I grew up and I thought Christians were, were a little foolish. Uh, I had different words growing up for people who went to church because I thought, man, there's no way you'd ever find me going to church. Uh, I grew up and my family was Catholic, which meant I know enough to go, why would we do this? It was crazy. Like all the you know, funerals and all stuff and seeing all the, the regalia and the religion and, and you had to do all the stuff for God to love you. And why would you get up early to go to church, to go be bored out of your mind and then feel guilty about it? And, then, and so I didn't get it. I have no idea why in the world would you do that in your life? And that was my experience. And people I knew that were Christians or Catholics that followed Jesus, it didn't look any different than anybody else in the world. 
So I thought, why in the world would you do this? Is it really better to have one day in his presence? That didn't make any sense to me. And this morning, and I'm preaching to those that have the same like-minded spirit. Maybe you came today and you're like, man, I've given up on God a little bit. Maybe you came this morning and said, man, I don't know why I'm going to church. I'm just testing this back out, man. God's presence isn't in my life. Maybe you're a Christian, and when's the last time we yearned for God's presence? I mean, when's the last time we really felt like, man, better is one day in the presence of God than a thousand elsewhere? And so this morning, my prayer this morning is that you would find today, you leave here believing that better is one day. Better is one day with Jesus. Better is one day in his presence. I'd rather be a, a doorkeeper. I'd rather be the guy sweeping the floor for Jesus, amen, just doing anything I can for his kingdom, his presence, than to dwell in the house of the wicked. And so this morning, you might ask the question, why is it better? Why is it better to be in God's presence today? And I love what it says in the Bible. Here's another better verse, but it says this. It says, God's love is better than life. God's love is better than life. I believe one day in God's court is better than a thousand elsewhere because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. Man, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He, he nailed the sins to the cross. The Bible said he actually became sin for us when he was nailed to that tree. And he gave us all of his right in exchange for all our wrong. And he took our sins and he moved it as far as the east is from the west, that we're forgiven children of God, that we are sons and daughters. We are princes and princesses of the king, amen? That we're not just that, we're heirs to the throne that we have ever presence of God in our life, that we can call on him at any moment and he hears our prayer, that we are now priests in the kingdom, that we don't have to go somewhere to meet Jesus, but Jesus came to us this morning. I believe it's better to have one day at the house of God because you have joy unspeakable. I mean, there's a happiness in your life that doesn't happen from your happenings. There's a happiness in your life that happens because of joy in your life because God truly loves you. And no matter what the critic says or the family member says or the friend says or the world says or whatever status says that you can find your identity in Christ. There's a joy that's deep rooted around you no matter what happens, what trial you're going through, that you have the courage because you have faith in God to stand through the trial. That you have patience in your life and God is dwell, doing something inside of you. You have something that is more supernatural in your life than anything else. You have a peace from God. You can follow God no matter what, when your family's falling apart, when your finances are falling apart, when things aren't going your direction, there's a supernatural peace that comes from God. I believe a day with God is better because of the divine call in your life. I mean, you can wake up with purpose, amen? You can say, this today is God's day. It's not gonna be an easy day, but God put me on a purpose. He created me and formed me, that he placed me and gave me a gift for this moment in time. He uniquely put me in this part of eternity to make a difference for him. I'm gonna take as many people to heaven with me as possible. I, mean, I believe God's power is in my life. I believe that you can have a better day with God because he wants to do something in and through you. He's given everything he needs to give you to do anything he's called you to do. Come on, church. Every time to get a little bit excited this morning. Now it's time to get excited. We can get excited, can't we? Better is one day with God because he can do indescribably better things in your life than you can do on your own. Better be a doorkeeper in the house of God than dwell in the tents of the wicked this morning. I mean, you might say, man, how do you do a day with God? Like, how do you actually do this? And uh, I mean, if you're like me, if you asked me years ago when I was in Bible college, I was a young Christian, I mean, I would say, hey, get up early, read your Bible, pray, and all that stuff is really good. That's not bad advice, it's maybe not the best advice. I used to think that you had time with God, and then you had time without God. You kind of did your spiritual devotion, and then you kind of had normal time, right? And I would separate the two. I'd compartmentalize them. And this morning, I want to give you a more biblical view. I want to give you a view that I believe God wants us to have today, and it's simply this. We have an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence in our life. We have an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence in our life. All throughout the day, God can direct your steps, that you can be convicted by him, that you can be encouraged by him, that he can lead you where to go, that you can be prompted by the spirit of God, that you can talk to him all throughout the day. And so this morning, if you think about this, there's no word in the Hebrew and the Old Testament for the word spiritual. 
There's not a word you can translate to spiritual because in the Old Testament, everything was spiritual. The Bible says whether you eat or drink, you do all for the glory of God. So if I'm going to drink this water, I'm going to drink it for the glory of God. I mean, if you're going to eat your Big Mac, come on, somebody. You're going to do it for the glory of God. Can you imagine just eating or drinking the very basics of life you do for the glory of God? If we're to do that for the glory of God, we're to do all things to the glory of God. If you're going to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, how are you doing spiritually? He would look at you and go, what are you talking about? All things are spiritual. I'm about my father's business. There's nothing I do in my life that's not about what God wants me to do. I love what A.W. Tozer says this. There's a book that, uh, that I just passed, actually, but called The Pursuit of God. And there's a chapter in this book, and he says, it's called this, it's called The Sacrament of Living. You cannot separate the spiritual from the secular. So basically what he's saying is you can't label this part of your life spiritual and then this part of your life non-spiritual. You can't say, well, I mean, I'm spiritual on Sunday morning to go to church. I'm spiritual for the one hour I read my Bible or the five minutes I read my Bible and the two minutes I pray. And then the rest of my life, when I go to work, that's not spiritual. And I play video games, not spiritual. And I hang out with my friends, not spiritual. But I do my more spiritual stuff. If I can get enough spiritual stuff going in my life, then I'll be a good person. And see, that's what I used to think. That's how I process life. If there's no spiritual stuff, I can squeeze it in and add it to my schedule. Then I would be more spiritual and God would love me and I'd have his call in my life and follow his plan. But that's not true. In the Old Testament, you used to go to the temple to find God's presence. We talked about that. You'd be in the courts of God. But in the New Testament, God says that you are the temple of God. Hello, you are the temple of God, that the Holy Spirit moves inside of you, that you have the residence of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so you don't have to go somewhere to find God, but Jesus came to you. And so you are the presence of God. Everything you do is spiritual in your life. You can literally have a day with God. Can you believe that? Better is one day. Now, I believe you can have a day, you can have a week. You have a week, you can have a month. You know this is going, right? If you have a month, you can have a year. If you have a year, you can have a lifetime with Jesus. I mean, wouldn't that be different to look back and say, you know what, I spent my life with Jesus. I mean, what would this year look like if you said God is gonna be better as one day? I'm gonna put him first in my life. I'm gonna have an ever-present walk with him. How different would this year be for you? I, mean, I love what it says in Colossians 3.17. And you got to play along with this. It says, and whatever you do, whatever you do, man, that does not narrow the list at all. And whatever you do, whether you're playing video games, you're driving to work, you're texting your mom, you're eating that lovely spaghetti, man, you're working on your truck in the rain, man, you're shaking hands with somebody, man, you're cleaning toilets, man, you're, you're taking care of the kids, you're stuck in traffic. Whatever you do, come on, somebody, in word or in deed, you do it all. And I didn't look this up, but uh, the word all means all. <laughs> Very deep. But in all things, you do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Everything is spiritual. You can't separate the spiritual from the secular. We're called to spend time with God, have an unending, ongoing awareness of God's presence. So how do you actually do this? I mean, how are you actually going to spend a day with God? If you're like me, I'm like, man, I want his presence. I want to feel spiritual. I want to get with Jesus. I want to, I want to be close to him. And then the TV's on, and you're like, TV, <laughs> it's glowing, you know. And then 30 minutes later, you're sleeping, right, because I'm old like that, just out, right? Or, the, or you wake up in the morning like, man, make this day about Jesus, and you get that phone call or that text message or the email, and all of a sudden your day goes sideways. Before you know it, it's just the next day and the next day and the next day. So how do you do this? How do you actually have a day with Jesus? I want to give you three habits to develop in your life. Give you three separate habits that help you follow Jesus every single day of your life. You have an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence in your life. The first thing is this, have constant communication with God. It says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16, 17. It says this, be joyful always. And how should we pray? We're working on you guys. We're going to get there. We're going to pray continually. We're going to pray continually. Some versions say pray without ceasing. Man, that's a high calling to pray continually. If you're like me, I'm like an ad kind of prayer. So I'll be like, God, I love you. Thank you for what you're doing. Man, bless our family. Thank you for what you're doing. Oh, man, I forgot to take trash out. 
Man, where's my keys? When's that email due? Oh, I know, appointment. I got to check my calendar. What's going on? Oh, man. And I, I just add all this stuff. I can't make it five minutes before my mind just starts shifting. Anybody else like that this morning? Just me. Man, it's just me all day today. No, just some of you out there, right? Like all of a sudden you're praying, it's just about it. There it is right there. In all things, you give glory to God, like that water bottle phone. So, man, you just, you, your mind just wanders, right? Your mind just drifts off to other things. And this morning, how can you pray continually? So, you guys all got one of these things right here. Come on. Do you guys take this ever with you? You guys got them right now, don't you? Some of you are on it right now. You're like, you're posting like, man, this preacher's crazy. All right, you got the, you got the phone, all right? How many of you guys take this to the bathroom? <laughs> you guys need counseling. Come here, put your hands. Oh, God, I need counseling. All right, I take it to the bathroom, right? We all take it to the bathroom. We're not going to shake hands at church anymore. <laughs> you sick people. A bunch of sick people around here. Man, but we all day long, we have short bursts of communication with people we care about, people in our lives, right? We'll get, we'll get our phone out. We'll have a little text message. But man, baby, love you. You got, you got all your, your little, your gif or gif, depending on how you want to argue that said. All right, yeah, we got arguments here. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to get there right now. All right, but you have all these little arguments, all these little things going on, all this fun stuff. You're posting, you're pulling Facebook, social media, whatever. My wife, she posts something on Instagram every day. She should look at Time Hop a year from now and go, man, that's what happened a year ago. That's us. You know, it's just like, okay, that's, that's a thing you do, right? She also sends me these Marco Polo things. Hello, it's not cool when your voice sounds like a man, but um, I know I'm talking about, but your voice modulates, whatever, and my hair starts standing up. I listen to it, I'm like, ooh, like I don't want to, ooh, man. But we, we all the time, right? You got 200 characters, 100 characters, you got one minute phone call all day long where it's a little burst of communication. Man, I want to challenge you that God wants you to have that kind of relationship with him. Man, all day long, you want to have a little burst of communication with Jesus. You can have his presence in your life. Man, you're, you're getting up in the morning, driving to work, you see the sunrise. Hello, some of you see the sunrise. Some of you are like, I wish I did. I'm up way earlier than that. Some of you are like, I sleep way through that thing, you know. But you see the sunrise, you give thanks to Jesus. Man, you go to work, you're like, thank God I have a job. Not my favorite job, but I've got a job. And then my boss shows up. I'm like, God, need patience, you know. You know, and your kid texts you, a teenager, and you're like, I need more patience. I need wisdom, you know. There's stuff going on in life. And maybe you start praying for your kid. And maybe some kid comes down the hallway and they're struggling with something. Maybe their marriage is falling apart. You're just praying for them and asking God to do something in their life. And maybe they find Jesus and that they could build their marriage on Jesus. Jesus. Man, then you start praying for, the, for your family. You start realizing, man, it's, just, it's not about you. You start realizing that there's just other stuff in life you can give to. And you say, God, how can I be a blessing? Man, how can I bless somebody today? I mean, you run out to softball practice. Like, man, I want to be a witness. Man, I want, I want to see somebody's life change. Man, I want to bring somebody to church. I want somebody to hear the gospel today. All day long, you're just giving little bursts, little bits, bits of communication to Jesus. All day long, constant communication, you know, unending awareness of God's presence. Man, the second thing is this. Not only are you going to have constant communication, but you're going to have instant obedience. I mean, it says this in Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. It says, since we live by the Spirit, let us what? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. I Man, let us keep in step. I Man, God's going to prompt you. When you're listening to God, when you're praying to Jesus, when you're in your word, I want to encourage you if to get in the Bible. I mean, you've got to get in the Bible. I don't know about you guys if you're in a version Bible app or you have a Bible reading plan or maybe it's one of those guys that like flip it open and you start reading. I don't know. How many guys are in your word? You guys are in your word? Some of you got, you got to get there. It looks like we found us. Now we know what the rest of the message is going to be on today. No, we got to get in the Bible, man. Got to get in the Bible every single day because God's going to speak to you. Here's the thing. The Bible wasn't written thousands of years ago by a God that showed up and just wrote down the Bible and left. 
God wrote the Bible and is still working in our lives. It's a living word, it's active, and it cuts us apart and it speaks into our life. And when you're reading the Bible, God's gonna prompt some stuff in your life. God's gonna challenge some stuff in your life. Here's what it looks like. I'll give you, I'm just gonna tell you how amazing it is. But in 2003, that camp I went to where, I, where God told me to say, I love you, Diane, right? Which, okay, that didn't really happen that way. It was the last day of camp, okay? Come on, give me a break. I was moving, all right? But the last day of camp, that night, we, uh, we had a, a, a service. And, and at the service, there was two guys that came on stage. They're on stage for less than five minutes. And one guy said this, he made this comment and God just used this to prompt me to stir something in my life. He said, if God can send his son here to, to tell the world about himself, why can't you go and tell others about him? And I felt like that big. Here you got these guys from Kenya that have nothing, literally nothing. And they're telling about how you should surrender to God. And I remember thinking my, my entire life was about me. Like at that point, I was like, man, I've got a full ride scholarship to Baylor. Like I'm going to do what I'm going to call it. I'm going to be pre-med. I'm going to do this. I had all these dreams for my life. And I realized that everything I was dreaming for was just about me. And God's spirit spoke to me and said, son, you've got to surrender. Like this isn't your story. It's not about your name. It's not about what you can do. It's all about me. And so that night at camp, I surrendered my life to God and said, God, wherever you want me to go, wherever you want me to do, you can have my life. Just take it and use it. Well, I didn't know this, but you fast forward about eight years. I'm having a conversation with Diane. And uh, we're married at this point. And she starts telling me, she goes, you know, I surrendered my life at a camp. I was like, yeah, it was the same camp I went to, right? She's like, oh yeah. She was like, it was that guy that spoke. I'm like, what night? She's like, oh, it was Thursday night. I was like, oh, so it was, uh, it was, it was the speaker. He's like, no, no, there's a testimony on stage from this guy named Moses and Jagoosh. They spoke for like five minutes. And he said, wherever, what, what, it, why can't you go tell the world about me? I was like, you surrendered the exact same moment in time to God as I did. How crazy is that? that God prompted us our stories all for eternity. We, when I look back, that me and my wife's story, we had no idea, but in the same very sentence, eight years prior that God had called us to say, hey, you're dead to yourself. You wanna live for me. God's gonna ask you to take a big step of faith and it's no longer about me, so I'm gonna change some stuff in my life. And yeah, it's scary. I had to go home and tell my family I wasn't to go to Baylor. I had to change my entire plans. I had to go do something completely different. And it was scary. I was afraid to do that, but I had more courage than Jesus because I was going to walk by his spirit and his prompting. Now, I just think it's cool today what God puts together. You have no idea. When you look back, you'll see that God is so faithful. I mean, God is so faithful in your life. For some of you guys, it's going to call you to take some big steps. In 2013, I took a trip to South America. I remember sitting behind this giant arena. There's a thousand kids, teenagers, young people. Then the, the, the criteria to be at the campus, you don't know Jesus, which I think is amazing. It's like all non-Christians. And so I'm praying behind the arena because, you know, I don't speak Spanish, so I have no idea what they're saying, but I know they say Jesus, you know, and that stuff like that. But I'm just praying, like, God, do something big. God, do something big in this arena. God will see people rescued from hell today. I want to see people set free from the power of Jesus. And so I'm praying behind this arena as I'm praying, and it's night out. You can just see the hills. This is not in a city. And you can see these houses, the lights on around. around. And God spoke to me and said, man, you are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. I mean, plain as day, God said, are you using all your resources to be a light? using everything in your life to be a light. Well, at the time, I spent a lot of time on my business. I did snow removal and I did landscaping and I did house painting and all this random stuff. And, and God said, hey, why don't you give me more of your time? Why don't, you, why don't you step out of that and do more for me? Whether it's in the church, whatever it is, just step away from that and surrender your life to me. We can do more together. And so that year I took a big step of faith and said, okay, I'm gonna sell my stuff. And guess what? Not everybody understood that. Not all my friends in thought I was making the, wi the wisest choice. Some people badmouthed me. Some people thought it was a terrible idea. But I said, you know what? God said me to do this, so I'm gonna take a step today. I'm an instant obedience. For some of you, God's gonna call you to take a small step. He's gonna tell you to step across the street and invite your neighbors to church. He's gonna step across the street and mow their grass. 
just to serve somebody. He's gonna call you to step out in faith. You know, God's called me a few times to give some cars away. They, they weren't pretty cars, okay? <laughs> I was like, I gotta buy a new car. Mine's barely surviving. I'm gonna be a blessing to somebody. I'm just gonna give this car away. I would saw that it's a little step of faith. Some of you guys, God's gonna call you to be a door holder. God's gonna call you to serve. Um, we have three weeks from now, we're jumping into a thing called Serve Day. We're gonna serve our community. We're gonna be a blessing. We're gonna be here at KT and we're gonna be at different houses. We're gonna be painting. We got lots of different stuff planned. But you're gonna say, man, I'm just gonna step out in faith. Like I don't have any clue what I'm gonna do, but God's calling to make a difference. Some of you guys are gonna step onto our dream team. Some of you guys, man, I wanna be faithful to serve God. Because see, something's gonna happen. God's gonna do more in your life than he's gonna do through your life. You're gonna step on the dream team and say, I just wanna make a difference to the cause of Christ. Man, if I'm sweeping the floor, if I'm holding the door, come on somebody. If I'm setting up pipe and drape in the house of God, if I'm setting out chairs, if I'm if I'm counseling somebody, if I'm giving this somebody, I just want to be a part of all that God's doing this morning. He's going to actually take a step of faith because when you're walking with him and you're talking with him, God is going to prompt you. And when he asks you to do something, my encouragement is to be instantly obey what God has. I mean, some of you guys, God's going to speak to you so much in the next few weeks, you don't even know what God's about to do. I would encourage you just to write a blank contract right now and say, God, whatever you ask me to do, I'm willing to do it. And I promise you, you're going to find that God has a plan for you because his presence is in your life today. So not only be instant instant obedience, but to have constant communication. The last thing is this, have a daily desperation for God. I mean, think about the psalmist said earlier in Psalms 84 verse two, it says, my soul yearns. Man, my soul desires. My soul even faints for the presence of God. Then my heart and my flesh cry out. And when's the last time that we had that kind of desperation for God in our lives? When's the last time we just sat down and said, God, I want a day with you. God, I want to know you. God, I want to be in your presence. You know, the reality is that we have an appetite for the things we eat. So if you, have, you feed on the things of the world, you have an appetite for the things of the world. But I'm gonna tell you something, God has something indescribably better for your life. When you follow Jesus, he's gonna give you something you can't find else anywhere else in the world. It's gonna satisfy you today. You know, if you seek the things of the world, God is gonna give you the things of the world. This is how it works. You start following things around you and God's just gonna let you have it because that's what you want. But when your desire is fixed on Jesus, then you're gonna have a desperation for God and God is gonna fill that desperation. He's gonna prompt you and he's gonna lead you. He's gonna show you things. But I'll tell you something, you can't ever enjoy spaghetti. Come on, somebody. If you just settle for Gaetano sauce, you're never gonna like spaghetti. But if you wanna follow Jesus, you gotta get away from that because the Bible says something really important. It says in Psalms 34, eight, it says, taste, taste and see. Taste and see the Lord is good. Man, taste and see. Man, just step out and say, God, I desire you. And guess what? God's gonna give you something. You're gonna taste God and he's gonna say, man, this is the life. And you get older and you say, man, God's just good. When's he good? He's good all the time. Like life's not fair. Life's not easy. I'm not a millionaire. We don't have all this stuff put together. Life isn't, oh, it's not perfect. It's complicated. But you know what? God is so good. I love what David said in Psalm 63. He said, oh God, you're my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I've seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory because your love is what? Your love is better than life. You know, when you spend one day with Jesus, you spend one day with God, man, you're in constant communication. Man, you're just a little burst of prayers. Man, when, you, when God's spirit is prompting you, when you're feeding on the spirit and you taste that God is good, I promise you, you have one day with God. You're never going to settle to have a, not another day with Jesus. You're going to spend every day with Jesus. You're going to want that in your life. And when I miss a day with Jesus, I look back and go, man, I want to spend my life for God. I want to surrender my life to him. I want to go back to those moments in time where I was open and said, God, whatever you want, it's just been too much about me. So I want to follow Jesus again. I'm going to put Jesus first in my life. Man, you're never going to sell just for the good life. Man, all the finances, all the relationships, all the stuff, man, that's all good in the power of God and God has it for you, that's great. Man, but this never is good. as the indescribable things that God has for you that's so much better for your life. 
man, his grace, his mercy, his power, his strength. I mean, there's nothing like when God uses you to see somebody else's life changed. I don't care what price you have in life and what you put your stock into. Man, when you're, God uses you to make a difference in somebody else's life, you can't put a price tag on that. And that drives us. I and mean, God uses us every single day to make a difference. You know, we're not gonna insult God by just giving a portion of our life. Like, God, you can have this one 30-minute prayer. And God, you can have, I'm gonna pray before the meal. And I'm gonna pray before I go to bed. And you can have these little times. But no, we're gonna, we're gonna follow God every single day, all day long. We're gonna have an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence in our life. Man, better is one day with Jesus, amen? Better is one day with Jesus. Better is one day with Jesus than a thousand elsewhere. There's one day in his presence. Just try it for one single day. Just tell me it doesn't work. Just tell me that God has a great plan for your life. Man, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. I'd rather sweep the floor than dwell in the tents of the wicked this morning. Father God, we come before you. God, I pray you just do something in our lives. God, you drive this truth deep into our hearts this morning. God, that better is one day with you. Better is one day than a thousand elsewhere. As we pray today without anybody looking around, there are those who say, you know, be honest with you, as I look over the last few months of my life, I mean, I would not be characterized by doing life with an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence. But I'll tell you this morning, it is possible that God wants to walk with you every step of the way. So across this room, if you'd say, you know what, I want something better this morning. I wanna sense his presence. I wanna spend my day with him. I wanna look back and say, I saw God move in my life all over the place. If that's you, would just lift your hands high this morning. Say, I want the presence of God in my life. May I see your hands up all across this room. Father God, I pray, God, that we let go of the good life. God, we let go of just the lies around us, God, and we would choose better today. God, we would choose to walk in your presence. God, we would experience you this morning. God, help us to have the habit of constant communication, instant obedience, and a daily desperation for you because we would know your love is better than life. Man, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. I would be a doorkeeper in doing anything for Jesus than to dwell in the tent of the wicked. God, I wanna see your face. God, help me to put you first in my life because I wanna choose better today. As you keep praying across this room, there are many of you who are beginning to realize that you're doing exactly what our culture has taught us to do. I mean, you're pursuing the good life but are far from God. Today, you're realizing that you can wake up and have a divine purpose. You're not here by accident just to take up space or just to have fun, but you're here to make an eternal difference, that there is a better way of life. And today, you want to experience Jesus. Now, I've got good news for you this morning. God sent his best. He sent his son, Jesus, no matter what you've done, no matter what you filled your life with. You've never had to be, you're never too far from God. He wants a relationship with you this morning, right now. See, on that cross, Jesus became sin for us and set us free to live out our divine purpose. Now he's made you alive to him. The Bible says this, says anyone that includes you that calls on the name of Jesus will be saved and changed, forgiven, and made completely new. God wants you to experience his presence right now in this moment. For those of you who say yes to Jesus, he'll forgive your sins. He'll move into your life. You can live with purpose today. So across this room, you can say, yes, I need Jesus. Yes, I need forgiveness. Yes, I need his presence. Today, I want Jesus in my life. If that's you, just raise your hand high. I'd be looking around and say, I want Jesus this morning. Like that, say, I need Jesus in my life. Then I'm gonna pray for you. Say this, say, Father God, thank you so much for dying across for me. God, thank you for making a way, God, for your presence. God, I want you to be first in my life. God, I surrender back to you. God, may 